Hello, I'm Pastor Keith Val III, and I want to thank you so much for tuning into the podcast of The Way Church of Tampa Bay. Our desire is that as a result of the word, that you no longer settle with simply coming to church, but you become the church. I pray that you enjoy this broadcast and that it challenges you, that it convicts you, and that it changes you. Thank you again, and let's enter into today's message. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, not my will, but God's will. The reason that you have been feeling angry, the reason that you have been feeling depressed, the reason that you have been feeling like giving up, the reason that you have been feeling like you want to cut somebody out, the reason that you may have been feeling like you want to go upside somebody's head is because you have been living your life by your will and not by God's will. The reason we have so many Christians walking away from the church, the reason we have so many Christians attending bedside Baptists, the reason we have so many lukewarm Christians is because they've been living their life by their will and not by God's will. Can I share something with you before we go to the Word of God this morning? This is just my personal opinion. One of the hardest things to do in ministry is to reach a lukewarm Christian. Here today, in the next three Sundays, you can't find them. They're neither hot nor cold. The Bible says in Matthew 15 and 8, God says that these people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. What a tragedy it would be for God to scrap to, to crack the sky and you're found doing your will and not his will. What a tragedy it would be to think that your whole life you have been doing the things of God only to stand before him and him to say, depart from me never knew you. What a tragedy it would be. And so with this sermon series, what Pastor Cole and I plan to do is to highlight for some, but to teach all what God has called us to be. Amen? So that you can be found doing God's will and not your will. So that you can be found in the proper position, the proper place, in the proper posture. Amen? Amen. Let us go to God in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, I ask that you remove any distractions right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, don't let any distraction rear its head. Lord, decrease my voice right now and increase yours. Lord, whoever this word is for, allow them to receive it with open arms and to not reject the truth. And it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Take up your Bibles. We're going to go to Romans chapter 10 or chapter 12. And I'm only going to be coming from two verses this morning. Verse 1 and 2. Romans 12 should be on your screens. Verse 1 and 2. The Bible says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then 
you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You may have your seats. So I'm a, I'm a big YouTube fan. Anything that I need to do in life, I go to YouTube first. Because you can find anything on YouTube, right? And I come across this random video. And this random video was about dog racing, right? And it was talking about the history of dog racing and how the greyhounds don't know that the rabbit they're chasing is fake and that it's attached to a mechanical arm. All it knows is that when the door of the kennel opens, the objective is to chase the rabbit, right? And so in this particular video, for some reason, the mechanical arm blew up. And all the dogs stopped. Every dog had a different reaction. Some of them barked and howled. Some of them just stared. Some of them just laid down. But the one thing that no dog did was continue to run. None of them finished the race. And I think that life is like that. Most of us pursue our chosen rabbit. It could be education. It could be a career. A relationship, all of these are goals that give people purpose, motivation, or meaning. But what happens when it malfunctions? What happens when what you were chasing comes to an end? It blows up, it stops. What happens when it ends negatively? The goal was to get the bachelor's, the master's, the PhD. The goal was to become an entrepreneur, to be promoted into a supervisory position, to become the CEO. The goal was to get engaged and get married and stay married and to death do us part. What happens when what you were chasing comes to an end? What happens when the rabbit you were chasing malfunctions? It blows up, it comes to complete stop. Some of us become hopeless. Some of us lose our faith. And what is faith? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So when you lose your hope, you lose your faith. And some of us are just living life like that. We're just going with the flow. Absolutely no faith. Some of us lose our drive. Some of us lose our motivation. Why? Because every bit of us, every fiber of us, every makeup of, makeup of us was wrapped into the education. It was wrapped into the career. It was wrapped into the relationship. Now, we all need goals. We all need motivation. The Christian needs goals. The Christian needs motivation. Paul is doing exactly that in these two verses. If I was to sum it up, I would say because Christ died for you, you should live for him. And so for the time that is mine, I want to teach from this subject called to be transformed, called to be transformed. Now, I know some of y'all are used to getting calls to gossip. I know some of y'all are used to getting calls of bad news. I know some of y'all are used to getting calls to have to finance other people. But this call that I want to present to you today is hope will hopefully transform you. The Greek translation for transform it's metamorpho. It's where we get the word metamorphosis from. It means to change into another form. Now, I want you to notice who Paul is talking to in this chapter, right? In the first few chapters, he addresses everybody, the Jews, the Gentiles, 
in the entire church, right? In chapters 9, 10, and 11, he addresses the Jewish nation. And now in chapter 12, he addresses only the believers, the spiritual family. Now, don't expect unbelievers to live their life according to what I'm getting ready to tell you. This is not for them. Sometimes I think we as in Christians try to impose our values on the unbelieving world. We want a Christian culture and a Christian society, but I hate to be the bearer of bad news. You won't get it on earth. That's called heaven. You won't get it here. If you want a Christian culture, you have to have a culture that's filled with nothing but Christians. Again, you won't get it here on earth. That's called heaven. So the first 11 chapters, Paul is taking the reader to school. He has given us the basis and he has given us the foundation. Now, I want you to pay attention to the first first word in chapter 12. The word is therefore. Therefore is a transitional word. Just so you know, anytime you see the word therefore in the Bible, you have to find out why it's there for. Right. Nobody just starts a statement with the word therefore. A lot of times what the speaker is doing is that they're referring to a previous thought. Right. And so the first 11 chapters is nothing but doctrinal truth. In chapter 12, Paul wants us to transition. But what is Paul wanting us to transition to? Let's go back to our foundational text. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, pause. In other words, Paul wants us to transition to the remembrance of God's mercies first. It's one thing to read about God's mercy, but it's another thing to experience. I was having a conversation with a lady that I work with who knows my family, and she was telling me, hey, I really, I'm, I'm really proud of what you're doing because the cars that you were dealt, you should have been in a statistic. You should be wearing an orange uniform and called an inmate. But I'm so proud that you didn't succumb to your environment. And in that moment, it tore me up because it made me remember God's mercy because I've done some stuff that I shouldn't even be standing in the pulpit. I've done some stuff that should have had me six feet under. I've done some stuff that should have had my mind absolutely gone. So this is what Paul is doing. He's saying, remember God's mercies first. If it had not been for the mercy of God, you should have been locked up. You should have been strung out on drugs. You should have been six feet under. You should have lost your mind a long time ago. You should have been fired. You should have had a sexual transmitted disease. You should have been broke, busted, and disgusted. Tell your neighbor, but God. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Remembering the mercies of God. It's a great mental exercise. Remembering what God has done for you should always be something that we do. How the song go? When I think about Jesus and what he's done for me, when I think about Jesus and how he set me free, I can dance, 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 dance all night. Absolutely. You should be wanting to dance when you think about what God has freed you from. When you think about what God has done for you, how can you not serve him? You may be saying, I do serve him. I'm on a praise and worship team. That's my service to him. I serve in the kids ministry. I serve on a security team. I serve on the media team. 
when we have outreaches, I come and I help set up and I help break down. That's my service to God. But may I bust your bubble this morning? Can I? You're not serving God. You're serving God's people. I want you to know that what you do for God's people and what you do for God are two different things. Because I can operate out of my gift and think that I'm pleasing God. But God already knew. He gave it to me. So you are not impressing God. And that's what a lot of times people do is that they operate out of their gift and they're completely missing the mark. And God is saying, I gave you that. I knew you were going to do good with that. But what about that part of you that's bad? What, what, what about when you were in public yesterday and the cashier got rude and you got rude back to him? What, what, what about that? Right? What a tragedy it is to have people think that you're saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost only to find out that in the end, God don't even know you. Right? Let's consider Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but only the ones who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform any miracles? Verse 23 says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Some questions I want you to consider. What are you bringing to God? And are you bringing God what he wants? So the first thing I want you to know regarding God's call to transform you is God wants the presentation of your body. He wants the presentation of your body. Paul says, offer your body as a living sacrifice. Now, anybody that has studied God's word know that in the Old Testament, all sacrifices that were offered to God were placed on an altar and consumed with fire. And the aroma in the act please God, right? But now in the New Testament, animal sacrifices no longer please God. What pleases him is the presentation of your body, a living sacrifice. Now the problem with the living sacrifice as opposed to a dead one is this. A living sacrifice has a tendency to slip away from the altar. The place where you go to present your sacrifice to God. If it's dead, it's no problem. It's not going to move. If it's a living sacrifice, it looks like this. One minute I'm at the altar dedicating myself to God. The next minute I'm in somebody DMs. One minute I'm at the altar dedicating myself to God. The next minute I'm back to doing drugs. One minute I'm at the altar dedicating myself to God. The next minute I'm back to watching adult entertainment. A living sacrifice tends to slip away from the altar. The ideal is to present your body once. But the truth is, we have to do it regularly. You got to do it over and over and over again. You will have to present your body to God on a regular. You might be saying, why is God concerned with my body so much? Why does he want me to present my body to him? Consider what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? 
you are not your own. In the Old Testament, the temple was where the priest would go to hear from God and witness his presence. Sometimes they would tie a string around him so that if the priest had to come out, they could just pull him out because only the priest can go into the, uh, the Holy of Holies. They can only go into the temple. In the New Testament, God chose the body of the believers of Jesus Christ to be the temple. He has given you ownership to house his spirit. If you ever rented an apartment, a townhome, a house, you already know that you wish that the rent, uh, that the owner would upgrade some things, right? When you walk into it, you wish that they would have upgraded the countertops, that the appliances, the light fixtures. You wish that they would have paid attention more to the aesthetics of the place. And so a question I have for you this morning as a partial owner of the temple that the Holy Spirit lives in, what have you been making the Holy Spirit wish for? A better heart, a better mind, a better soul, better self-control, more faith. What have you been making the Holy Spirit wish for? And so God has given you the ability to carry a part of him every single day. Think about that. He has given you the ability to carry a part of him every day. But what are you doing with the housing space he entrusted you with? Just as Jesus took on a body to accomplish God's work, God uses our body to accomplish his work. Feet that walk in God's path, lips that speak God's truth, hands that reach out to help in God's name, ears that listen to troubled hearts with the heart of Christ, mouths to spread God's word, offer your body as a living sacrifice. This pleases God. This is true and proper worship to God. You know, the Bible is filled with all kind of stories of people who presented their bodies to God and God did for them what they couldn't do for themselves. The womb of Sarah was barren. It could not produce children. But when her body was presented to God by Abraham, she birthed nations. The mouth of Moses. Moses had a stuttering problem. He told God, listen, God, I don't have the eloquent speech to speak to people. Yet God used him to talk to Pharaoh and to lead the children of Israel from their deliverance out of Egypt. The feet of Paul, the apostle, the one who wrote this chapter, was a little guy. Paul was short. Yet God used him to walk around the world and spread the gospel to Asia Minor, to Rome, to Corinth, and etc. So the first step to transformation is presenting your body to God. The second step to transformation deals with your mind, the transformation of your mind. Let us look at verse two. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your, mar- uh, of your mind. There's two parts to this verse. There's a negative and a positive. Don't do this, but do this. Let's look at the negative side first. It says don't conform. Don't be a conformist. Don't let the world sift you, shape you, or squeeze you into their mold. That is easier to say than do. Don't go with the flow because any dead fish can float down the stream. Stand up for what is right. 
One of our greatest fears, and including me, is being rejected by the group or the crowd. We want to fit in. We want to be accepted. We want to be liked. We don't want to create a scene and be the only one to say, I, no, I really don't agree. That doesn't line up with my belief systems. We don't want to do that. And so we conform. But I'm telling you, do not conform to the pattern of this world. I was talking with my wife and I was telling her, um, you know, I question everything that they put in front of me. Everything that I see on, so I don't believe everything that's on social media, that's on the internet, that's on the news, because sooner or later, I will find myself conforming to the world. And there's a whole agenda out there to push us to fear. And so I'm always making sure that I'm taking what I'm seeing and I'm lining up with the word of God so that I don't find myself being pushed into fear and doing things outside of the will of God. Paul isn't talking about the world in a physical sense, though. He's talking about the world in an ethical sense. The Greek meaning of the word world is cosmos. It means the ordered system of behaviors, activities, ideas, and people that are against God all under the control of Satan. Let us look at 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. It says, among them, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving to prevent them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. What a tragedy. Now let's look at the positive side to this. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As as earlier stated, it's called metamorphosis. That's a radical change by the renewing of your mind. Your mind is important to God. Jesus said we ought to love God with what? All our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Unfortunately, because of the fast-paced technology world we live in, we have substituted entertainment for thinking. The substitution has been so effective, we believe entertainment makes us think. We think ourselves, we think of ourselves as being the best informed generation in history. We have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, you name it, Pinterest, and the list goes on. All these outlets are programming us. It has us in a trance. We spend hours on these apps a day in the amount of information that flows through our eyes and our ears and our mind has us in a chokehold. We must renew our mind. And the only way to do that is to saturate your mind in God's word. The only way to know what God has called you to be is to know what God's word says. So when the first two steps are done, the presentation of your body, followed by the renewing of your mind, a third step will follow. There's a great example in the Bible. Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And then comes Satan, right? And he presented him with the word. But what he did with the word was twisted it. And Jesus said, no, that's not what the word says. It says this. The enemy will always present something that looks like God, but is not of God. Salt and sugar looks the same until you test it, until you taste it. 
So don't get food with the artificial. Please don't get food. And so the third step will follow after you have presented your body and after you have renewed your mind. And that's the apprehension of his will. Let's see how verse two continues. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. If you didn't know, now you know that God, what God's will is for us. It's stated right there. He has a general will and he has a specific will for you. He wants you to know his will and he wants you to do his will. Every true Christian wants to do God's will. They do. And one of the most asked questions is how do I do God's will? Some people think that God's will is revealed mysteriously. They believe that if they look in the sky, he'll spell out letters in the sky. They believe that if I get on uh, Bush or, or, or Nebraska, that I'll run into a panhandler and they'll tell me what God's will is. No, no, seriously. They, they, some people do think like this. Some people think that it will be an audible voice. Now, I'm, I'm here to say that God can't do that, but I'm just saying that I've never experienced that right and so I want to say these things are possible I want to say that God can do that but I have seen God work in my life supernaturally naturally very normally a transformed mind will produce a transformed will a transformed mind will produce a transformed will. You will want to do what God wants. When you present your body, when, you're, when your mind is renewed, you will start wanting what God wants. I'm going to simplify it for you. What is God's will? Love God and do whatever you want to do. That sounds crazy, right? It sounds real crazy, but it's simple. If you love God, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, if you are presenting your body to him, if your mind is being renewed by his word and his truth, what you want is going to be what God wants. So love God and do what he wants and do what you want. There's something about God's will that Paul mentions in verse two. He says, God's will is good. It don't always feel good, though. It ain't always fun. It isn't always enjoyable, but it is always good. Let us look at Romans 8 and 28. It says, and we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his plan and his purpose. So God's will is good. The next adjective that Paul mentions regarding God's will is pleasing. When you do God's will, it's going to be pleasing. It's, it's going to be pleasing to God and it's going to be pleasing to you. 
It's going to please you to please God. In Psalms 37 and 4, it says, delight yourself also in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. The way Church of Tampa Bay don't misquote that. This does not mean be delighted in God and God is going to give you every little desire of your heart. If truth be told, some of y'all's desires is to become rich so you can show your haters you've made it. Some of y'all's desires is to have the latest fashion designer clothes because that is what entraps and attracts women. That's some of y'all's desires. Some of y'all's desires is to have one foot in the church and one foot in the world so you can be good in every hood. That's some of y'all's desires. Some of y'all's desires is to stand in this pulpit so you can be glorified. That's some of y'all's desires. Some of y'all's desires is to form cliques right here in the church. Just nasty. Refuse to talk to certain people. Well, make it your business not to even walk their way. I go this way. I find something else to walk and do. That's some of y'all's desires. The scripture does not mean he will give you every desire of your heart. It means when you delight yourself in the Lord, he will plant within you a desire for the right thing. He will give you the desire. And finally, he says, the will of God is perfect. It has no faults. It has no discrepancies. The saints of old used to say, he may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time because he's an on time God. Yes, he is. If you get to the end of your life and you are dissatisfied with it, it means that you live your life conforming to this world. If you get to the end of your life and you are dissatisfied with it, it proves that your life, that you live your life for yourself and not for God. In conclusion, I'm done. When we present our bodies to the control of God, our mind is renewed by the spirit of God and the word of God. Then we can discern the will of God. Live your life surrendered. Do not resist. Because his way is always better than your way. God has called us to be transformed. If you could stand to your feet. This is the first step to following God. You have to be transformed. You have to unlearn things that you've learned in your childhood. You cannot do what you did in the world in ministry. There are some things that maybe you need counseling for. There are some things that you need to submit to God. There are some things that you just need to take your hands off of. Look at the results that you've gotten with you being in control. 
Look at the dark places and spaces you've been because you wanted to, to be in control. That area of your life that you don't have full trust in, most times you want to be in full control of. And God is saying, I don't want you to be in control. Submit your life to me. Follow me. Renew your mind. Present me your body so that you would know what my will is. If you go outside of the will of God to get something, you have to stay outside of his will to keep it. That's a dangerous place to be. That's a very dangerous place to be. And so let us go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, your word has gone forward. Again, I ask that you allow whoever this word was for to receive it with open arms, to not reject the truth. Lord, teach us how to renew our minds. Lord, teach us how to follow your word. Lord, keep us aligned with what your word has said. Help us to write your word on a tablet of our hearts. God, it is so easy to say than do to not conform to this world. Because sometimes what the world offers is quick, it's fast, it glitters, and it looks fun. But in the end, it leads to death. Lord, help us to be still and know that you are God. Do an inside job this morning. Touch our hearts this morning. Help us to sever anything that is not of you. Help us to send it back to the pits of hell. Help us to decree and declare the word of God over our lives. That no weapon formed against us shall prosper. God, continue to keep your hand on our lives. Continue to keep us connected with other people that were standing in the gap for us, that were intercede for us. Because truth of the matter is, sometimes, God, we just get tired. Sometimes we don't feel like reading our word and praying. Sometimes life is just hard. And we resort back to old ways of living, only to find ourselves in bondage more and more and more. Paul called it a thorn in his flesh. He couldn't seem to shake it. But remind us, God, that void of your word, transformation is not possible. Void of saturating our mind with your word, transformation would not happen. And so, God, I ask that you continue to give us strength continue to give us power continue to watch over your creation and it's in your son Jesus name we pray amen Listen, I want you to know that 
God's will for all of humankind is for no one to perish, but for everyone to have everlasting life. How do I know this? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So it does not matter what denomination you are. It does not matter your racial background. It does not matter your social class. He says that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. If that's you on this morning, and you want to say, you know, I believe in this Jesus Christ. I'm, 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 I'm tired of living the old way. It has brought me nothing but stress, worry, anxiety. Today, I want to make a declaration and give my life to Christ. There's a two-part action to that. The Bible says in Romans that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Now, this is the best life insurance policy that you can have for your life because this carries over when your expiration day comes on earth. Now, I know that there are some insurance policy companies that if you sow about $6,000 into their company, you can have a million dollar life insurance policy, but that's for the people, that's for the survivors out there you pass on. But today, I want to give you an insurance policy that's completely free. And all you have to do is confess and believe in your heart. If that's you this morning, all I want you to do is just raise your hand. I won't call you forward. I just want to simply acknowledge who you are. You may be uh, viewing online and you say, I want to give my life to Christ. Send us a Facebook message and we'll make sure that somebody gets with you. Well, you might be saying I'm saved, I'm sanctified, and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. But I don't have a church home. I don't have a local body that I'm connected to where the doors of the church are open. At the Way Church, we believe that this is not the place where you simply come to church, but, that where, but where you become the church. If you want to become the church and you want to learn what the Way Church is all about, please just raise your hand so we can acknowledge you. The doors of the church are open. Do we have anybody this morning? Look like we are amongst family for the most part. You know we have some, some visitors, visitors. They're not first-time visitors. Uh, I have my supervisor right here. If y'all could just give him a hand clap of praise and his beautiful family. Amen. Well, if you got anything out of the word of God, can you give God a hand clap of praise? Let me just pray for the one who may be on, online and say that, hey, I want to join the Way Church of Tampa Bay. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for giving them the ability to step forward. Thank you, God, for giving them the confidence to say, it's me that want to give my life to Christ. It's me that want to be connected to a local body. Lord, remind them that this will be the hardest thing that they have done because the enemy and all of his demons do not like this. But remind them, Lord, that you have designed people that will connect to them to help them traverse down the process. Sanctification is a process. You, you won't become sanctified overnight. And so, God, even in, in, even in their weary moments, God, draw them back to you. 
And it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.